Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my first impressions of Opulence after playing it for an entire day and even jumping into the raid. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I probably won't be live when this hits the feed. You can even kind of see I'm somewhere else. I'm, I'm filming this and doing this live in LA. I'm out here for EA Play and E3. So usually my videos hit when I go live. 8 a.m. Eastern in the morning is typically when these hit and I'm already live on Twitch twitch.tv slash say no to rage if you're watching on youtube hit and like and subscribe helps me out i want to jump into my first impressions though because i do think this is the best season so far even after only playing for 24 hours uh well it was a little less than 24 hours but i got to experience the opening the opening grind and quest the menagerie and i got to experience everything but the last encounter in the crown of sorrow raid we just ran out of time i had to leave i I hadn't even packed yet for my trip to la and i stayed up and didn't sleep and we 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 couldn't beat it we we didn't quite have the synergy and we were lacking some gear the contest modifier did bring i think a good balance to the teams because nobody nobody blitzed it in three to four hours which i think was a good thing but we didn't get it done but i wanted to give you guys my impressions because i think this is a great great season and we're we're recording this and doing this live before the Bungie stream on June 6th. So keep that in mind if there's things in here that I say that maybe get their answer in future content and whatever they talk about this afternoon. So first I want to talk about the Menagerie. Second I want to talk about Crown of Sorrow. Then I want to end by talking about Intention and Grind. Because leveling is still going to be in here. I know you guys might be tired of hearing me talk about leveling. I still think it needs to be addressed and thought about. So let's talk about Menagerie. I think this is some of the best, if not the best, PvE content in Destiny 2. I actually don't even think we got something of this quality and caliber in Forsaken, which you might hear me say that and find that a little alarming, but if you think about the actual content loop of Forsaken, the loopable grind in Forsaken, there actually wasn't something at this caliber. Blindwell wasn't that great. Dreaming City kind of took a while. As far as something that you could go in and just kind of grind and loop... Forsaken didn't offer anything that was at this level, and Forsaken was amazing. Even at Forsaken's high marks and high reviews, I don't think they got the grind and the intentionality right. And in comes Menagerie, and it is it is easily one of the best, and I actually think it is the best piece of PvE content in Destiny 2. It is perfect for matchmaking. Perfect. You go in with six people... And it's not failable. We didn't understand what was going on. We were rushing the grind, so we thought it was out of our reach. We thought we were under-leveled, and so we left. Keep in mind, if you're running it, every encounter scales up the longer you're there, and it gets harder and harder and harder. The harder it gets, the more points you get to fill that bar. So if you're good and you're playing well, you will get to the end of the menagerie quicker. If you fail the harder difficulty sections... That's fine. You'll just go to the next section and then it resets. You can end a section and there's stuff hitting 740s. There's, you know, wizards coming out that are in the 740s, but they're not going to be there at the next section. It's going to reset itself. It's going to drop back down to being at 700. So if you're at 700, you can jump in day one. Another great decision from Bungie to make the content accessible day one. I also found the encounters themselves to be varied, they're fun, 
and they're uniquely challenging. I didn't feel like I was doing garden variety Destiny stuff. I didn't feel like I was doing something I had done before. I thought the boss fight was with the walls coming at me was really, really cool. They they brought back something from Leviathan. So for the people, the non-raiding Destiny community, which is pretty large, you get to experience the gauntlet where, you know, you have to run and not die. And they kind of weave that into a fight where, you know, you got to do that and get back. And then the boss keeps, you know, get it coming in between and getting harder and harder and harder. So I found the content itself to be very well done and I, I felt like it had good variety and it felt challenging in a good way in a good way I, like sometimes it's like oh we have to stand on a plate and not die but it got harder and harder and harder and the really big knight coming at you and then the boss fights themselves have their own like mechanics and things going on it really gives that sense that you're not just doing the same thing over and over again like especially if you look at the, the forges for example the forges didn't do enough they gave you a good mindless grind but I want to be challenged and asked to do things that are a little bit differently and that is a great way I think to do it I, again the best PvE content in Destiny 2 right now is the Menagerie so high marks to Vicarious Visions for their work on it let's talk about Crown of Sorrow this is an amazingly executed raid the environments are probably some of the best in Destiny. I, I, As much as I dislike Leviathan as a raid, I think the Leviathan aesthetic is incredible. I, some of the most beautiful, most ornate things in Destiny. It doesn't look like Destiny when you're on the Leviathan. It looks so shiny and gold. And for Crown of Sorrow, they really kind of brought the dark sort of ancient, somber feel. I absolutely love the environments in crown of sorrow especially once you're in the room with all the gold on the ground kind of feels like aladdin you know there's just piles of gold and treasure and then when galran shows up i told everybody it was going to be galran by the way after that one uh that one intercepted communication i was like it's got to be galran uh, the, the 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 environments add to the experience because someone be like why are you talking so much about the environments they really do add to the experience. It makes it feel like you're not in a strike, you're not in a public space, you're in a special environment. And it, it gives it that that gravity of feeling like a raid. Now, as far as the actual engagements themselves, it very much was Vicarious Vision style. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you played Spire of Stars, you're going to find similar pressure points being applied to your team in this raid, splitting you up. If someone dies, it's really, really difficult to recover. They, they very much apply that pressure. And that's not just coming from the token system. What they require of you mechanically becomes incredibly stressful and very... It's unlikely you're coming back at certain points if a person dies. Now, that can be really hard for a team to coach through. It can be very, very difficult for a team to coach through because if you're just dying... I can't really tell you how to stop dying other than to kind of, you know, you got to kind of play better. A lot of Destiny players, I call them lead-footed dum-dums. And I mean, I say that with love because I'm a lead-footed dum-dum too. If I'm doing Q&A and talks, I'm just standing there. I'm not really paying attention. You can face tank a lot of damage in Destiny. You can play the game very lazily. You can't do that in this environment. You cannot. I try to tell people, imagine this is a trials card. Imagine if you die, it's all over. Because it basically is. And I think that can be challenging for teams. It can definitely bring stress. And it can definitely bring some some frustration. So keep that in mind going in. That it is a very, very challenging and well-executed raid. Now with Contest Modifier off, I am being told that it's a little bit easier. 
it's a little bit easier with contest modifier off probably because you can start to not see swords the way the contest modifier worked no matter how high your power level got you still saw swords which in an environment that's high pressure where you don't want to die seeing swords is obviously leading to more death and more damage If I had to summarize this raid in a sentence, I would say it's a very good mixture of the intensity and wrath of the machine, and it has the environmental sort of dark vibe of King's Fall. But it's got the intensity, you know, imagine fighting in the sister's room and not have it be so mechanically based, so much standing around. There's an intensity to the fights in the environment, so it's got that dark, cool if you remember how I've talked about King's Fall, the scope and the size of King's Fall feels amazing. It feels like you're in a movie. It has that feel, and the mechanics are there. It's mechanically heavy while being intense. So the marriage between like that Wrath of the Machine intensity and the mechanical diversity and demanding nature that you had in King's Fall, as well as just the environmental breadth, I think this is a fantastic raid. So more high marks to Vicarious Visions. Um... And the tokens are still annoying. There were a handful of times if it wouldn't have been for tokens, we could have pressed on and tried to clutch. So I'm still angry about tokens. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna I'm never gonna give up that hill. I think revive tokens and the revive timer needs to go away. If it would have been like normal where you could just keep rezzing, that would have added a cool intensity, or just not wipe us, like give us a chance to try to clutch it. Lastly, let's talk about intention and grind. This has to be the best and most well-received season to date. If you compare the way the community is responding to Season of the Forge and Season of the Drifter, Season of Opulence is clearly being far more uh, well-received than in the past. And obviously, that was intentional. I made predictions about that. I'm not doing the whole, I predicted that thing, but I said, from a marketing standpoint, this has to be a home run. It's probably why they're capitalizing on the positive vibes and doing a stream today, because everybody's really, really happy, and everyone's back in love with Destiny again. Even if the dust settles and it's not as substantive as some people may want it, I actually think they've given us good loot and a good grind. The loot looks good. It looks awesome. That can be enough of a motivation for a lot of people. And the grind is intentional and satisfying. What remains to be seen at this point, okay, what remains to be seen is if the perks and the power are an incentive enough to really go the distance on Menagerie and really go the distance in the raid to try to get everything. We don't know if... We don't know if the new perks being offered, if the new guns being offered, are going to be worth it. This is another reason why I'm kind of going to get back on the soapbox and say we need to start leaving stuff behind because it's difficult for them to iterate and expand on existing archetypes and weapon types without them feeling very samey and very similar to guns we already have. So the incentive aspect of the guns and perks kind of remains to be seen. We're only a day in. However... I also think this is the this is the best structure yet. The way they've trickled it out, the way there's new content right away. Raid should have been a couple of days later, but we know why they did that. So overall, leveling's still gonna need to be adjusted in the future. Leveling's still a bit of a pain point, and incentive on gear needs to be thought about. But overall, I think this is probably gonna be the best season of Destiny 2 post Forsaken. We're on the other side of Forsaken, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If you're here live, we're going to switch to Q&A. If you're not here live, thank you so much for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a Q&A session that followed my talk about my first impressions of Seasons of uh, Season of Opulence. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live at twitch.tv slash say no to rage. 
I'm usually live when these hit the feeds. Probably not right now, the day this goes live, because I'm in LA, not streaming as much. But usually I go live early mornings, Eastern time, around 7 to 8 a.m., and stream for long periods of time if you want to come in and join these conversations. This is being recorded right before the Bungie stream, so we're going to watch it together if you're in the live audience. If you're not in the live audience, I'll have a separate talk and Q&A about the Bungie stream. So if you hear stuff in this Q&A session, keep that in mind. I haven't seen that stream yet. You'll have to watch another talk in Q&A if you want to know my thoughts about this. This is primarily to focus on seasons of opu- Season of Opulence. I don't know why I keep saying Seasons of Opulence. It's Season of Opulence. In any case, let's jump into the first question here from... Uh, hang on. Can I do this with an arrow button? That's not what I meant to do. There we go. I, 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 I'm good at this. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right says, Lono, this is from Snap You Neck. Lono, why do you think the PS4 backed out a cross-save because of the Sony exclusives like Armor Strikes? Kind of bummed about it. Well, we don't know if that's confirmed yet, okay? Keep that in mind. That's not confirmed that Sony's won't be a, Sony won't be a part of cross-save. It's likely, but we don't. it's unconfirmed at this point. Also keep in mind that this could be another Fortnite situation. Fortnite rolls out cross-play between all platforms except for Sony. And eventually Sony bend the knee. They bend the knee. They're like, okay, fine. We'll give you guys cross-play. That, I think, is an important thing to remember here. They could, This could be a, a way for them to apply pressure to Sony to play ball. Right before E3, Bungie goes before a huge audience and says, this is what the next era of Destiny will be. This is, uh, this, you know, this is how... This is how we see, you know, the game, the game's future uh, playing out, and I think, I think we have to keep that in mind. This could be about them applying pressure to Sony, because this is a big, this is a big announcement, and if they have to say, they don't even have to be mean about it. Okay, keep this in mind. They don't even have to be mean about it. They could simply say, we're offering crossplay to our entire. Uh, I'm sorry, cross save. We're offering cross save to our entire audience between the Xbox and PC and apparently it's launching on Google Stadia still Stadia however you say it still unconfirmed but that's good pressure for Sony to be like okay fine we'll offer cross save the other thing to consider I don't know if Sony uh, how how much of a say can they really have in this everything you own is stored on Bungie.net servers so what is it to Sony if you boot up on your Xbox or your PC and you pull down all your stuff that you you know you have on your your PlayStation. It's on the bungie.net servers. That's my frustration with it. If Sony really does say no, we're not going to let this happen. That's irritating. It's like that this isn't even my if my loot's not stored on your 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 network, your PlayStation network. It's not stored on some Sony servers that you're providing. It's stored on bungie.net. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's unconfirmed right now. All of it's unconfirmed, so we're speculating. Next question from uh, right here we have Baina says if the leaks are true but cross save will you plan uh, playing on Xbox or Playstation no I don't have any plan on going back to those consoles I can't take the lower frame rate and the lower FOV it's very very difficult uh, God of War gave me headaches uh, and I mean that I, 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 don't, I don't get into the whole I don't get into the whole you know master race discussion I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that but 
I genuinely do get headaches when I play on the lower frame rates and the lower FOV. 30 FPS is very, very difficult to handle. My hope would be that a lot more people would come over to PC. Uh, it's not. It's a. It's a very well optimized game. It'll run well on weaker systems. <clears throat> so a lot of people may make the jump knowing they can bring all their stuff with them. Next question is from Kyle Tom nine eight seven. Is the new DLC going to be about? The second collapse that is coming. There's literally no way for me to know that, homie. All we know is that it's on the moon. There's Shadows and Eris Morn. So my prediction about it being centered around Savathun may or may not come true. The the Dreadnought has to have a presence at some point. They made that plan. They may have just scrapped it. Maybe not scrapped it. They may have put a pin in it, and it might be another piece of this annual pass. Maybe they're trying to give you a little bit more substance in the next annual pass, and one of the ways they're going to do that is with smaller but new public spaces being added. Dominus with the next question. Before Black Armory, there were supposed leaks about a new rarity class. What do you think about something like that? I don't know if they're going to do anything like that now. Uh, Suddenly saying we're going to do like a, a new class or a new rarity or a new a new enemy race. I, I think a lot of that stuff's gonna they're gonna hold on to that for the future. That's more defining to a new title. That's not necessarily a DLC oriented thing. So I would think they'd hold on to that if they have some of those ideas. I think sometimes leaks could be, you know, vision casting or brainstorming sessions and then it gets looped into a leak that says there's a new enemy race coming. Well, the new enemy race more than likely isn't going to show up until the next game. The triangle ships are that's going to be they'll probably be center stage as the antagonist then. This is going to be I think just more you know, shadows and hive and potentially Savathun. Now, if they decide to have hints of the veil, which is supposedly the new enemy, you know, class that's on the way. If they want to hint at the veil, that's fine, but I don't expect them to make anything centered around a new enemy. Or what about a Titan Warlock and then something else, you know, a new class. New subclasses too, uh, I wouldn't anticipate any new subclasses. I just wouldn't. They're, they're, they're going to run out of room. Um, but you never know. You never know. They did that with Forsaken, so there could be something coming in September with respect to subclasses. I'm going to give you a maybe on subclasses and a no on classes and, and, and rarity types on weapons and stuff. I just don't, I just don't foresee that being the focus at all. Next question is from Dead Priestley. What do you think the possible speed run will be? For this raid, I wouldn't be surprised if this raid gets down into the 20 minutes or below 20 minutes. The It's four encounters. And I would think, given that the final two bosses can be melted if executed properly, you'll see you know teams like Redeem and stuff pushing it un- under 20 minutes. The opening encounter cannot be satisfied any faster then you just have to do it. It's mechanical. Same thing with the jumping puzzles. You can only jump so fast, and you have to shoot all the crystals and satisfied and wait for the jumping puzzle pieces to come back up. So though the the two opening sections will more than likely that that puts a cap on a speed run. Does that make sense? You can only kill Oryx so fast. You can only kill a mechanically heavy encounter so fast. There's nothing you can do to make the ads come out faster. There's nothing you can do to say, oh, there's four cycles of this or four cycles of that. That puts a cap on how fast a team can go. But the fact that they're already one-phasing the final boss, that I think is important to to kind of speed things up. That's where you're going to see guy, you know, clans like Redeem and stuff 
coming up with. I mean, they're already one phasing, so you can't go much faster than a one phase. <laughs> it's like the first damage cycle and they're dead. That's about as fast as you're going to get. So the thing where they'll probably maybe gain some speed is on the jumping puzzle in the in-between sections. Because once you start one phasing bosses, that's it. You're at, you're at peak, you're at optimum performance. You're triggering the mechanic, the boss comes out, and he's dead. So I would, uh, I would anticipate that being, keeping it, I'm, I'm guessing, but it'll be under 20 minutes not lower than 10 just because of the first two encounters godric stark do you think bungie should announce cross save if sony isn't on board yet well bungie has to take care of their intellectual property and that is destiny and their concern for what sony does or doesn't do has to eventually fall by the wayside we matter a whole lot more than sony and destiny matters a whole lot more than sony in the grand scheme of things you know, you got to focus on your IP. And if you make your IP so good and so satisfying and so accessible and fun that cross save not being on Sony ends up being a mark against Sony, Sony will change. It's all about the PR. If it's a, if it's, if, if it creates poor PR for Sony, then they'll, then they'll change. That's what happened with Fortnite. The, the biggest, the biggest reason it happened with Fortnite, if you remember the history here, People started booting up Fortnite on their Nintendo Switch and they couldn't sync their account. They couldn't bring their skins over. And they're like, what the frick is this? I have an epic account. I should be able to take this everywhere. You can boot up on your mobile phone. You can do this and that. You can do all these different things. But if you if you synced your, your Fortnite account with Sony, you couldn't. You couldn't boot up on mobile and you couldn't boot up on Switch. Now, you gotta rem- you got to understand something. Mobile and Switch market is massive, and that really hurts Sony's PR. So the real question mark here is, is Bungie's reach and is Destiny's reach large enough to influence PR and the public perception so that Sony feels this is not worth holding the line on? Let's just give in on this, and then that's when you'll get your cross save. And obviously this is this is this is touching on cross play. But you're not going to get cross-play anytime soon. So, yeah, and keep in mind, people in chat are saying, you can watch the Bungie stream right here. We are allowed to co-stream. So if you want to watch the Bungie stream, you don't have to leave. It'll be happening in about an hour. From Iron Hand says, if Vicarious Visions made opulence, what has Bungie been doing? You probably know the answer to this. I'm going to give you the answer. They've been working on what's next, homie. (laughs) There's content in the fall. There's another annual pass. There's a big announcement today. That's what they've been working on. That's the beauty of bandwidth shifting. I mean, if you have other companies that can work on your DLC, your annual pass, and your live support for you, that's really, really helpful for your bandwidth. The, the, that is that is why I said during my talk, one of the big questions here is, what are they going to do without Vicarious Visions and High Moon Studios? What are they going to do? Are they going to be able to create content, keep up with content, new content, make a substance in them up? What about the next game? What about Destiny 3? These are all questions we don't know the answer to at this moment. Uh, next question is from Jasno. GG. Do you think the reveal today will be a trailer or something or just an image like it was last year to reveal Forsaken? Well, given that this is an actual reveal stream and that they're going to E3 to do an interview with Jeff Keighley, I think this is going to be a significant announcement. Hour-long stream with subs... Maybe 30 minutes, actually. Let me dial that back. It might only be 30 minutes, given they might not want to show too much. But they're going to outline the structure. They're going to outline the content. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to show a trailer, probably. A short one. They're going to show a trailer. I bet you it's narrated by Eris Morn. You see... You hear her voice... 
and you see her Sam Fisher eyes in the darkness, and you're going to be excited. Don't tell me you won't be. You're a liar. <laughs> if, if you try to tell me you won't be excited from just that alone, then you're a liar. So I, I would say that's going to be what they're going to try to do. And that's why I think the Dreadnought and Savathun are somewhere in the mix here. Maybe not initially, but they will be. They will be. For uh, Next question from DN Durkin Live. You were talking about Destiny's leveling issue. What's your feeling on levels in multiplayer games like MMOs, MMO-like games in general? Personally, I think it hasn't aged well as a mechanic in the age of dynamic scaling. Well, here's the thing. I think leveling is everywhere because it tethers you to the game in a way that you're not tethered to a game that's just linear. So when you play an action-adventure game, they throw in leveling and skill trees like in Far Cry and Horizon Zero Dawn, all right? And they do that because it makes it more enjoyable and you definitely get a feeling you definitely get a feeling that you're progressing and advancing, but not in a way where you have a, 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 like you, you suddenly have new level and a new level to aspire to because then you feel like you have to go back and keep playing. This is why leveling has come to mobile games you feel like you need to play and so you don't want to miss out you don't want to fall behind feeling of missing out FOMO right so the that aspect is at play here and you might not think so with leveling but like how is how is feeling of missing out happening with with leveling well if you hear your friends playing or you see streamers playing or you see announcements about leveling and you're like I've been playing destiny I want to get those new leveling, you know, get hit those new levels. The other thing that it does, and I, I don't think you can understate this, it gives you a sense of your time being respected, which is why leveling needs to be addressed in Destiny. Your time isn't respected. The roll of a dice can honor or disrespect your time investment, and that's a bad decision. There's a significant difference between going for a god roll on a gun and not getting it. You still got the gun. You still got a reward. You just don't like it. That's preference. Need is different. If you feel your need is being frustrated, then you don't feel your time is being respected. There's something so satisfying about checking off those boxes. You put in an hour or two, you get your bounties done, you get these things accomplished, you you have a sense of accomplishment for your time. This is why gaming as hobby has taken on such a large shape. Because... You don't feel you're just throwing your time away. More uh, adults and more mature gamers. Uh, that's so. I'm not even saying just adults. More mature gamers don't want to just have their time thrown away. Battle Pass in Fortnite is an is evidence of this. You have a sense of accomplishment, something to work on. There's challenges. There's skins to earn. There's things to do. You're not just throwing your time away. It's all. I played four or five games last night and I won a couple, and then that's kind of it. So I I think leveling isn't necessarily being represented well in Destiny. So your question is, should it just, it hasn't aged well. Leveling is fine. Level up in a game like Borderlands and you'll see what I mean. Leveling in Borderlands 3 isn't going to feel like it hasn't aged well. You're going to be like, no, it's a sense of progression. It's a sense of progress. It's how the game works. Every day I sit down, I'm a little bit stronger. I'm getting cooler things. So then you want to come back because there's always something beyond the something. 
There's always something beyond the something. I got to here, now I can go to there. The spiral staircase that I talked about in Anthem. Anthem's endgame didn't didn't work because there was nothing beyond the something. There has to be something beyond the something. That's why leveling works so well. Destiny just doesn't have good leveling. If you look at every RPG that you'll you'll see this is clear. Ethan do you think Bungie should re- rework some exotic armor pieces? They only released three armor pieces with opulence, and they're all pretty underwhelming. I actually heard Peregrine Greaves is, is solid, but obviously it's contextual uh, because you got to be in the air for it to be really, really strong. I believe Peregrine Greaves gives you the ability to shoulder charge people out of their super in PvP. I, I feel like that was a thing in D1, uh, but I don't know about the other two. My feedback on exotics is very different than most than what most people think. I think exotics need to go away or only show up in very, very significant ways and be more of a class item exotic than armor and guns. And here's what I mean, and here's what I mean. I think it makes more sense to create pyramids within the archetypes of weapons and the weapon system and have pinnacle roles that are the absolute best version of a gun that you can get that creates more diversity more grind and more investment for you and exotics are they're too untamable they're either boring or they're untamable skull rigs phoenix protocol one-eyed mask these exotics are untamable they create significant problems and that, I think, is, is one of the reasons why I'm kind of anti-exotic. Uh, someone in chat is saying, can confirm the Astrocyte verse is dope for Nova Bomb and PvP for outplaying everyone. I'm not really sure why, but someone is agreeing, saying Sweaty Warlock is where it's at. So apparently these exotics may be pretty good. I was reading that the Kepri Sting was actually awesome, too. So the person that wrote this question may not realize these exotics have lots of potential. I'm just not big... I'm not a big guy in the exotic corner anymore because of the problems that they cause. They become they become necessary in your loadout almost, you know? Skull Nova or Rig's Tether. It's like what why would I run anything else? Why would I why would I do anything else kind of a thing? So, thank you for 3 months Yachts 99. If you guys are subbing, tipping or doing bits and I'm missing it, I apologize. I don't have my dashboard in front of me because I'm off-site and I'm streaming from a laptop. So if I miss some of the alerts and things, uh, I apologize for that. And you will be able to watch the Bungie stream here, so don't go anywhere. I'm allowed to co-stream it. So we'll watch it together and do a discussion in Q&A after that. Next question. Gaming Irish Potato. Do you think they're going to say anything about PvP content? No. I don't think PvP will be mentioned. If PvP is mentioned, it'll be mentioned in this way. They will say... Look look for future updates and streams as the conversation for the Crucible is ongoing. Something like that. We're going to be talking to you about the Crucible this summer. It's an ongoing conversation. That kind of language will be used. I don't think they're going to speak about PvP in September. Another reason they don't want to talk about PvP right now is this isn't the time. Okay? This is not the time to have a family discussion about PvP. They're announcing new content. They've got the new era of Destiny that they want to talk about. They're going to E3. This is the time to put the billboards up and the and the lights up and get everybody excited, okay? This is not the time to have a family discussion because that's a family discussion, okay? <laughs> it's like, we're, we're promoting the new content. We don't want to talk about how PvP has been, 
ignored and uh, needs help and is going to go through significant changes. Now, they may they may do some anchoring. And what I mean by that is they may say, this will be the time that we'll be making some significant changes to the PvP uh, experience in the sandbox, and we'll be having a long, longer and more ongoing conversation about that this summer. And no, I don't write their scripts. I just know how they talk. <laughs> Next question is from Gritter. Hey, Lono. Now that Opulence is here, would end of August be a great time to give final impressions of the overall Forsaken Comet DLC since all of Season of the Outlaw, Season of the Forge. I forgot that it was called Season of the Outlaw. That's right, Forsaken was Season of the Outlaw. Uh, it would have been released. Is it fair to say Bungie has finally dethroned Taken King with all of Forsaken? Well, I mean, this is a good question. Sorry for sniffing on the mic. I can't mute like I usually do at home. This is a good question. So this question is basically taking Forsaken, as well as the annual pass, as one entire piece. And I think this is the right way to look at the content, okay? So what's coming in this September and beyond will be a similar packaging. Big kickoff and then a tri- and then a drip, okay? As much as we like the Taken King, there wasn't a whole lot after Taken King. If you remember, Taken King was amazing, but then we had months of nothing, and then we had the what do we have? It was the uh, was it was was it the April update? Yes, the April update really frustrated people. So we had the April update because they made leveling easier in the April update. That was when one to one infusion got in, in, introduced. If you guys remember, you got to be OG to remember this. Infusion was originally a percentage. It was not one to one, and one to one came in the April update. And then you had to wait until Rise of Iron. So if you look at that season and that time, Taken King, and you compare it to now this is where I think people need to stop having such short term rose colored memories of Destiny 1 Taken King to Rise of Iron was very significantly barren it was significantly barren this was a better structure we just can't have uh, Season of the Drifter again we need a little bit better substance and I'm telling you what you've really really got to start to accept the fact that they're going to have to make you leave stuff behind. You've got to have that happen. We need those resets. We need those moments of, oh no, I have nothing. Everything's new and fresh again. Okay? Stop fighting me on this because you'll play anyway. Okay? You fight me on this and then you don't play as much and neither does anybody else because there's nothing to chase because you already have tons of great gear. So stop fighting me on leaving gear behind. It's got to happen. We need it. Okay? Next question. Is Isuzu way? So for the conversation, uh, so for the conversion of Destiny Two, are people who own the game on Battle.net able to use their original information for the Steam re- release? Now, none of, this is all unconfirmed, so I can't answer your question. Number one, I don't, I don't work for for Bungie, <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know the answer to your question. Even if, even if we get the full details, they'll, they'll have to outline that. I'm sure in like a blog post, how to do cross save. Do you know why... Next question from Trippin' Monkey. Do you know why only two out of my three characters got the Power Surge buff? Is it because my Hunter didn't finish something in an earlier DLC? I have no idea. I have no idea. I I thought they said that you only had to do the quest on one character to get into the raid. It was account-wide. But every character could use it to get to 690. So it sounds like a glitch. I haven't heard of this glitch. You might want to do some research. It sucks if that happened to you, especially if you have like a really old, if you have like really, really old characters that are super far behind, 
it'd be nice to be able to not have that be the case because those 690 jumps are nice didn't the didn't the surge bounties from drifter come back each week didn't they reset Somebody's saying pick up the package at Benedict. I don't think this I don't think Trippin's an idiot. If he did it twice and it worked and it didn't work the third time, then something happened. Next question. Tech Sarge. Do you think Shadow Keep leak is real? I do. I'm gonna keep going because we know that it's real at this point. Wing Slacks. Do you think since we since you don't need to own the past DLC to play Shadow Keep, this could mean a larger emphasis on XP levels and less on light level? I have no idea. The, the requirement of the old content isn't going to necessarily go away. They're just going to give you everything. Right? Okay, so I'm getting in chat now maybe a potential answer to Trippin' Monkey's question. He says, 690 gear drops on all characters with one completion. So maybe it went to the Postmaster. I'm not sure. Uh, it could be there. It's Somebody in chat saying the same thing. They're saying, check your Postmaster. Some of the Power Surge stuff was in there. That, that could be a potential answer for Trippin' Monkey. Next question from Raid120. When do you think the Lumina Quest will go live? It's on this it's on the schedule, my friend. I don't know the exact date. Somebody in chat can give us an answer to that. It's June what is it, eleventh or twelfth or fifteenth? It's one of those. I'm I'm giving myself three 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 numbers here. Let's see if I was right on any of them. It's on the actual the actual uh it's on the actual schedule. Everybody in chat saying July 2nd, so I was way off. I knew it started with an S. Yeah, I was way off. Seth Eubank. I haven't seen anything about gunsmith bounties for Master Records yet. Any word on that? There is no word on that. They're in his inventory. Go grab them. I did some of them. You get a Master Record. There's a couple of daily and a couple of weeklies. Now, the question I have about the weeklies is you get a random armor. There's a weekly that gives you uh, enhancement core and a random armor mod, and there's one that gives you a random gun mod. I'm curious if the random armor mods can give you some of those resistance. Minor minor major and boss resistant mods will play a part in, I would think, heroic menagerie if it's very challenging. And if they do anything else challenging, if they do a, a mystery quest like they did with Outbreak or if they do a dungeon then those are going to come in. Those those mods will come into play then. Next question is from Lord of Time. What do you want to see in this stream? I would really like to see the scope of the next season. And after that, my question will always be, what did you learn from our behavior and our feedback that's informing the future content? I know that Bungie can make great trailers. I know that Bungie can make great content. That's not in doubt. I don't doubt their ability. I don't. I never have. It's like, you guys know what you're doing. You guys make good stuff. However, what did you learn from the first annual pass? How are we going up from here? How are we going up from here? Are we, are we progressing beyond the first annual pass or not? And, and that, that question, I think, is always the most important question. It, it, with a game like this, it's, it's a living game, you know, and it, we've we've been in here for we've been in here for four years. It'd be it'd be what is it five? It'd be five years in September. And I think a lot of the times people get caught up in the negativity and the criticism, and they forget that the game has progressed significantly and made good changes. And those changes are always brought about when the symbiotic relationship between the community and the developers is at a, is at a full swing. Taken King, Forsaken. Uh, even changes within the annual pass itself and quality of life updates that came to the annual pass itself with Ada's bounties and now with the menagerie. I think that is important. 
to always we need to I think we need to honor the, the progress the game has made and I'm not being an apologist here I'm not being weird but I think it's important to honor just how far the game has come and I think that's hard to do when I, I, I think that's hard to do when we when we get caught up in we burn through the content and we wonder what's next and I think sometimes we bring about the dissatisfaction too early uh, you eat the food too fast basically I, I mean I inhaled my breakfast this morning it tasted it was amazing okay I know as I'm inhaling my steak and eggs and the bacon and the mushrooms the potatoes and the the peppers it's right next to me it was it was immaculate it was wonderful I know as I'm inhaling it that I would probably get more enjoyment out of it if I ate it slower but the difference is after I'm done with that breakfast I don't say oh my gosh when's my next meal what am I going to eat next I don't do that why don't I do that because there's a rhythm to the day I eat my lunch later four or five hours later and then when I'm done with lunch my dinner comes four or five hours later what happens when someone eats that way they eat a very very big meal and then they're eating immediately after or or you know 20 minutes later 30 minutes later they're eating they're snacking what happens to that person they leave they, they end up becoming very unhealthy why because they're engaging with food in an unhealthy way I think that parallels to gaming. I think we engage in unhealthy ways. It's getting deep, but I do. I believe this. I I think if we engage in a more healthy way, you wouldn't inhale the meal and say, what's next? You might pace yourself. Or it's okay to be excited and blitz the game. It's okay to be excited and blitz the game. But you have to honor and, and respect the fact that the rhythm doesn't line up with that. You cannot inhale steak and potatoes for breakfast and then ask for a cheeseburger and fries 20 minutes later. That's ridiculous. That's unreasonable. Imagine if you were requesting that of like your your whoever's like bringing you food. So I've been critical of Bungie since Destiny 2 has launched. They've made bad decisions. They've fumbled some balls. But I've never once insisted upon more more content faster I've always given people that expectation that we have got to understand that you you cannot you cannot have substance after substance after substance it has to be kind of spread out it has to be given time to marinate you know so I would I would just encourage more and more people to take that attitude and I think you'll enjoy this annual pass that we're in now and probably the next significantly more I always try to give criticism on the content itself not how quickly they give us stuff does that make sense I've never been on the banjo of this takes too long we have to wait blah 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 no I always go to the content the substance why is the leveling bad why is your philosophy on enhancement core so unfriendly to the community why was why was drifters too narrow why was intentionality not in season of the drifter why was reckoning designed the way that it was do you see what i'm doing i'm jumping over the fence of oh it's not enough or it's not we're not getting it fast enough no 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 no. let's talk about the content because if the content is good and we can grind then you're able to get into the rhythm of the game and not feel that burnout and not feel like i have nothing to do a week later this is why I was so hard on people that wanted to go back to the old DLC setup. The annual pass structure is in line, it's in harmony with the way that we play. It's the content that needs to be better. 
So, next question. Mine Creation Crew. I had an idea of a raid encounter being PvP focused. Do you think that would work or just be too frustrating? I would never want raid encounters to get infected with PvP. Look at what happens with, you know, Gambit. What's the most frustrating part about Gambit? <laughs> it ain't the, it ain't the enemies, it ain't the boss, it ain't the modes. It's the invasion. So I would I would I would stand on this line and die. holding my sword to the bitter end you will never get me to agree with pvp coming into raid encounters absolutely absolutely not absolutely not i don't like i don't like shooting down people's ideas but that i'm gonna shoot that one down all right uh more cat what do you think about the structure of the menagerie's encounters ps didn't get to see world's first ending how did you guys do we didn't actually get to finish because i i stayed up all night and then i had to shut down because I had to pack and get ready for my trip. <laughs> so I didn't sleep the day before my trip out to LA because <laughs> we tried so hard to get it done. The structure of the Menagerie Encounters is fantastic. They're varied. They're intense. They're challenging. They're fun. They're unique. It's it, it, it hits a lot of markers. It really does. You hear all those buzzwords I'm using and you might not really understand that there's a lot to it. There's a lot attached to me saying it's varied. Oh, it's varied. Cool. What? No, no, no. It's varied. It's, it's got good variety. The encounters are all very, very different. And the challenge is really, really cool. Like, it feels... The, the intensity is fantastic because you have that sense of, of danger and if you overcome the intensity, there's reward. But it's not failable. That they've, they really, really nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And I hope that whenever they get something right, I hope for two things. I hope the community agrees with me, right? It's like, I hope the community sees this quality because, man, oh, man, this is good. I hope people end up liking it because I want people to be happy. I want people to enjoy the game. The other thing I hope when content is this good is that Bungie learns. It says, look at this. This is a good format going forward. Ada's, if you don't think Ada's bounties informed that chalice, come on, it did. There was such a positive response to Ada's bounties. That intentionality is going to continue to drive the grind and the structure of future content. I promise you it will. Promise you. I, I think the future of the NPCs is just that. They need to have that intentionality. They need to have that, that grind. So... Guys, you can watch the Bungie stream here. Thank you for being here. If you like this kind of back-and-forth, interactive radio-style content, be sure to click the follow button. That's a free way to support my channel. That's the little heart button. I am super thankful to the huge turnout today. Uh, I'm off-site and in L.A., so we're going to try to stream as much as I can while I'm gone. So if you like the the interaction, this is usually a day-to-day radio show style <laughs> uh, radio style uh, broadcast but I won't be streaming as much during E3 and EA play next question E-Man did it Lono do you like the raids that are sort of short like Scourge uh, and Crown of Sorrow or do you like the raids that are long like King's Fall you know I'm gonna be honest I think the short format's nice because I I feel like they can demand a little bit more from the player if that makes sense. So let's take Last Wish, for example. Okay, it's really, really long. It's really, really long. But they've got a lot of they've got a lot of filler in there, don't they? There's a lot of filler in there. You've got 
and and the and some of the and some of the encounters are not that intense. They're almost more tedious. Does that make sense? So Callie, for example, Callie doesn't really demand that much of you. It really doesn't. And then you have all the in-between jumping puzzles, and you know that stuff's drawing out the the size. And it, listen, I'm not knocking it. By the way, I'm I'm just drawing a comparison here. So I'm not saying these are negatives. I'm saying on replay value, I find that the very simple encounters like Callie and the in-between jumping areas, I find them to be a little bit more unsatisfactory. The, the It isn't as good anymore. It's, it's not the first time. But that doesn't mean it isn't good. I'm just saying on replay. And Shirochi, too. Morgeth. Not that much going on. Then you go to Spire of Stars. You go to Scourge of the Past. You go to Crown of Sorrow. I feel like they demand more of you. There's more uh, intensity, right? Um, I don't know. I could be wrong in my estimation here, but from my own subjective experience, I feel like they demand more and they can raise the intensity because it's a shorter excursion. Wrath of the Machine was very similar. I don't think you could bring... I don't think you could bring the intensity of Wrath of the Machine for a grade the length of King's Fall. I think you'd wear people out. King's Fall is very similar to Last Wish. They don't demand a lot of you. There's a lot of long, drawn-out jumping areas, and that's where the length comes from. That length has its own quality, but I believe that quality tends to go down over time. You know? So, that's opinion, though. I think people are going to land on that question differently than me. First, uh, Next question from Gale Play. I didn't have an interest in playing D2 after Forsaken. I didn't care for Black Armory and even less for Joker's Wild. Is it too late for a casual to come back to D2? Didn't even hit 600 power cap. No, they've made it amazing. You literally, your introduction to Opulence gives you 690 blue gear. You, You get stuff in the tower. You literally get stuff in the tower to, uh, to level you up. You can come right back in, right? Uh, so Stadia has officially announced, chat's telling me here, complete Destiny Experience game with Google Stadia purchase. Google just announced that Stadia Founders Pack buyers will get the Destiny 2 complete experience with it. That is a big announcement. So Google, okay, Google's huge. They got everybody's attention. They got everybody's eyes. And they just tied themselves to Destiny. Okay? Now, some of might be like, Destiny 2. No. They just tied themselves to the Destiny franchise. That's massive. This is a big win. This is a very big win. Even if you're not excited for Stadia, they are now attached to Google. That cannot be understated. That cannot be overstated. That is a huge, huge win. It's massive. Uh, Let's go to the next question. Dan Holland. How would you feel about the token system going away? But if someone was to die, you'd have 30 seconds to res them or they'd be unresable. I'd love it. I would love that. Unlimited res is in normal. Timer to get them up. If you can't get to them in time, they're unresable. Keep going if you'd like to. I believe that would be the perfect system. Now, when you get to hard mode, maybe that's when you say everybody can be resed one time. And after that, you cannot be resed again. Or you get like three reses or something. Because when I, when I look at when I look at encounters like the ones in Crown of Sorrow... The clutch moments are real exciting, and I'm worried 
uh, I'm worried about how well that's received. So apparently there's a Shadow Keep trailer on the Stadio Twitter, uh, the Google Stadia thing. So apparently we can watch that in just a moment. That's probably what we're going to see during the Bungie stream. Kim.com says, how much would you bet? And that's really him, by the way. That's, a, that's really Kim.com. He, he, uh, he hangs out in the stream every once in a while. How much would you bet on Bungie announcing a partnership with Epic and switch to the Unreal Engine? I have speculated about this being a reality uh, ever since they announced they were leaving Activision. I told you Eris Moore was going to be in the trailer. <laughs> I have no inside information, guys. It's just these are really easy plays to call, okay? <laughs> They're really easy plays to call. I do not have inside information. Uh, but I called the, the – I, I theorized about them going to – the Unreal Engine and the Epic Store when they announced that they were parting ways with Activision CEO of Epic and Phil Spencer from Microsoft, they jumped on that tweet immediately it felt calculated I have I have high doubts, I have high doubts that the CEO for Epic was like sitting there waiting with bated breath on Twitter, these, these, these people are insanely busy, Phil Spencer as well they're not freaking sitting there on Twitter waiting for an for a tweet like that okay it was it was calculated and so i think there could be a potential future with both those companies working alongside bungie and destiny's future so everybody's going crazy for the uh for the trailer i i here, here's what we're gonna do here's what we're gonna do so for the people the people listening to this i'm gonna go i'm gonna watch the trailer right now on my phone i'm not gonna show it to you guys um I'm not going to show it to you guys. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to respond. So Eric Osborne's talking about it being a super powerful experience. They're talking about the first time you fire you super. Uh, Colleen Crisco is commenting here. They're showing some of the supers in action. It's a three minute trailer. Pete Parsons, CEO, says it's about playing with your friends. He, uh, Eric Osborne saying he remembers the first time he beat Vault of Glass. Uh, obviously, that's a big one. They've always been at the forefront of bringing new things to the game. The, they're bringing up the fact that they have, they're their own they're their own publisher, and Stadia can be the tip of the spear. So that's a big that's a big one. You got to keep in mind they're showcasing with this trailer the fact that they're parting ways with Activision. It's opening up opportunities for them. This is from the Google Stadia Twitter guys. It's a trailer reveal. Shadowkeep is the next chapter in the Destiny story. Nightmares are on the moon. We have to conquer the, the, these nightmares and face our fears. We're not done. We're in control of our own destiny, says Pete Parsons, CEO of Destiny. Bungie. With Stadia, they're opening up an entirely new opportunity. Sorry, if I'm going quiet on the audio version for you guys later, I'm trying to watch, listen, and commentate. Like, I'm, we're blending content here. <laughs> here we go. The official trailer, it looks like. Eris Morn. Looking to the future always brings us back to the past. My girl. Oh my gosh. 
Their endless torments reshapes our moon, she says. Nightmares now stalk the surface. You can probably kind of hear it. Our, our old fears may rise again. <gasps> what about the, what about Oryx? What if it's Oryx? She said, in the dark below. Oh my gosh. This looks so good, chat. Oh my gosh. Okay, so she says we must bring an end to uh, the suffering. Um... We must bring an end to the suffering. She really emphasizes the word end. So she says dark below, and then she really emphasizes we must make an end. Okay, come on now. Read between the lines with me, people. Dark below, and she used the word end, like Crota's end. What if Crota's coming back instead? What if these nightmares, this could be similar to Siva-ified and Taken-ified, okay? I can't show you because of my setup right now. You'll get to see it in a minute when we watch the Bungie stream in, in 30 minutes, okay? I just retweeted if you follow me on Twitter. I just retweeted if you follow me on Twitter. I told you guys it was going to start with Eris Morn. I just called it. I called it not 10 minutes ago in this Q&A. I knew it. I was like, you'll get so excited. All they need is Eris Morn, and you're going to freaking lose your mind. Oh, gosh. It looks very, very promising. Looks really, really good. Um, what if the nightmares are like nightmare versions of past bosses and stuff. Crota, Oryx, etc. They could bring back some of those really, really good fights. We could literally go back to the dark below. Holy crap. I am freaking excited. I'm very, I am very excited. (laughs) It's a good day. It's a good day to be a fan of Destiny, isn't it? It's a good day to be a fan of Destiny. Uh, So... Let's, uh, but yeah, to go, to circle back to Q&A, so if you guys are listening to the audio version of this later, I, I am, uh, I am sorry that, uh, we, we took such a significant break there, uh, to listen to that. I wanted to listen to that and and respond to that live, uh, with you. So, let us, uh, for Kim.com's question though, and yes, this is the real Kim.com. I, I think a partnership with Microsoft and Epic is a potential alignment of things. Unreal Engine, the the Epic Store, etc. Cross-save is the first step in that reality. Potentially happening. Dog Dad Drew. Are we thinking the moon is the Tangled Shore location and the Dreadnought is the Dreaming City style location? This is a good idea. It could be two locations. Transfers from PlayStation to Stadia are pending approval from Sony. Okay, so that's literally right from the stream. So they said right from the stream that transfers from PlayStation to Stadia are pending approval from Sony. So that again, what did I tell you? They're going to apply, this is them applying pressure to Sony. Another, I told you, this is, this is how they do it. This is how you get Sony to bend the knee. Google! Google just said that. Again, being tied to Google is significant. You cannot overstate that reach, that platform, and that influence. Google standing before an audience and saying, this is going to depend on Sony's approval, is them applying pressure. I did not see Crota in the video. I was watching it on my iPhone. But I, she said dark below, and then she emphasized the word end, which would be Crota's end. 
Next question, Evil the Waffler. I missed your later half of the stream on Tuesday. How was leveling for you personally? I feel it was better, even though I still have bad RNG. No, I had great RNG. I had members of my team that had bad RNG. Leveling is still bad. It needs to be more linear and intentional. Next question from Octane. First off, I would like to say congratulations on everything. Watching you play D2 made me regret giving up on it so early for Anthem, but I'm back now. Do you think we'll ever learn more about Toland the Shattered? Bad Juju was one of my favorite weapons. I mean, judging by the trailer for the, the, the content coming, we could end up in that type of a situation. We could end up in a situation where... Um, hang on, I didn't mean to do that. I have, uh, I have <laughs> the audio uh, on the phone was still up. So yeah, I think we could, we could maybe learn a little bit more about some of that stuff if Eris is coming back. Lore, recordings, etc. Next question from Saint. Even though I know Skull needed nerfed, why does it feel so bad? I've not used it since I played the entire day on my Hunter. Rigs felt still reasonably helpful, so. A bossy Debo. Do you think the Fall DLC or D3 Aldrin could make a comeback as the Hunter Vanguard mascot? To me, I think the, the there's a there's a pretty strong theme right now. There's a pretty strong theme right now in Destiny of unlikely alliances. And I think Aldrin would be more of an unlikely alliance and not really be a capstone to the Vanguard. Uh, so, so Deej just tweeted, just heard back from Hassan that you are all safe on Twitch. No takedowns, no strikes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the so- show hosted by whomever you love the most. So we're good for co-streaming. You guys can watch the Bungie stream here. Thank you to Bungie for allowing that. I said yesterday on my stream that I really thought they should change their attitude about co-streaming. In the past, they were kind of anti-co-streaming. I think co-streaming is a huge win for the audience as well as the as well as whoever's doing the broadcast. So in this case, Bungie's doing the broadcast. I think it's a win for them and it's a win for the audience it's just a better format as long as we're not super disruptive and talking over them and being jerks which we're not going to that would be a huge turnoff to the audience i think there's there's natural pressures and boundaries in place for people to co-stream and be respectful and helpful because their audience would hate it if they were they were not doing that next question an asmr nightmare <laughs> what if exotics needed a full supercharge to power the exotic perk Tlaloc style would make it interesting I don't think this is a good restriction because if you're going to have something in the game like an exotic, I don't think you want to be like, it only works when your super is full because now you're, you're dictating how we play. Does that make sense? It's like, if you want to get this benefit from this item, if you want to get this, this buff or this thing, you got to hold on to your super. I think super sitting, (laughs) like babysitting, I think super sitting is a problem. This is why I, I, I liked Orpheus Riggs Tether, Phoenix Protocol Well, Skull Nova. You're not sitting on your super. Your super becomes part of your engagement with the content. Too many supers. If I mean, if you go back to when in the era of, uh, you go back to the era of like in D1, where you sat on your your Titan Bubble the entire boss fight. You sit on your Nova the entire boss fight. You know, Tether maybe. I, I think that's lame. Right? I think that's lame. I don't like sitting on my super. I want my super and my abilities to be part of my engagement with the content. So. This is a problem as well, I think, with Division. This is why Division doesn't capture people visually for streaming, but I also think it doesn't capture new players. I think Division 2 has done just fine, but I I think that they uh, they could afford to let you use your abilities a whole lot more often. Next question from Zeta. 
with the leak of the fall DLC. Not a leak anymore. Full-on trailer, by the way, guys. Eris Morn. So excited. <laughs> I love her. She's like my favorite character in, in all of Destiny. Uh, with a leak of the fall DLC, does it look like they'll be doing any big story-focused campaign than more seasons? As far as we can see, what's coming in September does seem very story-driven. If you're bringing back Eris Morn in the moon and you make Ancient of Dark Below, then yes, very much story-driven. Her dialogue, her voice acting, is, in some respects, I don't think anybody matches her. Nathan Fillion probably does. What she brought to the Taken King is uh in 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 crota her her voice acting and the writing for her character is i believe unmatched in destiny i don't think we have anybody as good as her now oryx's presence and his scenes are probably the best in destiny he's all he is still the best bad guy he's still nobody beats him callus is more interesting for different reasons but he's not as cool as oryx so eris morn is is going to really i think bring back that depth of storytelling i'm excited to have her be in the game again pure salt do you think it would be worth coming back to destiny completely up to you it's a good time to come back though the season can jumpstart you the content's good and then obviously the future's looking pretty bright or dark (laughs) haha dad joke destiny joke all wrapped into one next question Oryx Oryx you or something like that Morning Lono sorry if you answered this already do you expect the Shadowkeep experience will be as long as Taken King Forsaken there's literally no way to speculate about that Uh, I would think I would think it would be closer I would think it would be closer to Rise of Iron length if I had to guess but we're, we're accustomed to September being a big DLC so maybe they want to really dump on the storytelling and the campaign length. But I would I would say just knowing knowing their bandwidth and knowing the annual pass structure, I would say closer closer to Rise of Iron. But again, I'm guessing. Uncle Brada. Hey Lono, how was your flight? And looking forward to the type of features, uh, what would you like to see in Destiny that's not already there? You know, seasonal refreshes, seasonal ranks with NPCs, a reason to grind the different planets, you know, more intentionality with the NPCs, I think is the big thing I always kind of drive home. Don't, because if you make every NPC matter and you make them matter every season, the content, the content maintains pretty good healthy relevancy. One of the dangers with a game like Destiny is that you you end up leaving behind so much great stuff and so many great environments and so many great weapons and, and, and peace and activities. And I, I think there's got to be a way for them to to keep that from happening. So again, guys, if you're just tuning in, thank you for being here, by the way. I'm so excited to have this many people here. This is blowing my mind. I am offsite. I am in LA for EA Play and E3. If you're enjoying this content, please click follow. That's the heart button. That's a free way to support me. If you want to watch the Bungie stream, you can watch it here. You do not have to leave. I'm allowed to co-stream it. We've been given a green light on that. So keep it here. And when we're done watching it, we'll do another Q&A session like this. So thank you so much for joining us. The Kraz says, I have never touched Destiny 1. At least play through all the campaigns to have a better grasp on the story. I feel like I'm missing something when these new trailers come out. Well, you are. You are. If you went back and played Destiny 1 all the way through to its culmination in Rise of Iron... Eris Morn showing back up would have your your hair standing on end. She's magnificent, right? 
You don't need someone to link the Bungie stream. You can watch it right here. Like, you don't need anybody to link the Bungie stream. I will literally show it on my stream. If you want to find the Bungie stream and you don't want to watch it here, find it on your own. <laughs> we don't need to be promoting <laughs> another stream within my stream. You'll figure it out. Or just like I said, like I said, watch it here. Uh, her, her dialogue, you know, fingertips on the surface of my mind. Like, her saying she can still hear the whispers gives me chills. It's like there's still something out there. There's something going on. Very exciting. Karma policeman. In D, uh, is D3 still on the table, or are we going free to play with the current D2 platform? Well, if we go with D2 being free, and then you're driven to buy their content because it's easy to it's an easy entry point. This is why leveling can't be bad anymore. Okay, they've got to figure out leveling. If you make this game easy to get. It needs to be easy to get into. Do you see the difference? Oh, I can get the game easy. It's free. Get all the content. Jump in. If you struggle to get into it because leveling doesn't make sense, it's RNG-based. Try to explain Destiny's leveling to somebody that, that has never played before, right? What's up with your hair? I, the light's coming in from the side. Half my hair is not blonde. I'm not doing like a two-face hair dye thing. <laughs> there's hair coming. There's this light coming in from the window next to me. So uh, the the imagine picking up Destiny and trying and, and, and trying to understand the leveling. It doesn't make any sense at all. It, it milestones, but then the, the milestones can because if you don't understand Destiny's leveling system, and let's say you're 690, and you get a gun that's 695. And then you get another gun that's 694. That's probably going to be confusing to you. It doesn't make any sense. You put in a couple hours in opulence, and RNG drops a piece of gear in the wrong spot, and it's under level, it's below your level. That's confusing. What does that even mean? Why did I get something that's lower in level? What the heck? I, they've got to figure this out. You don't want new players feeling like progress is is confusing, a- and you also don't want them. Be- Let's say they do figure it out, then it, then the frustration has has footing. It's like, why are you not giving me what I need? You know. Electron, do you think Bungie will fix RNG leveling next DLC? I really, really hope so. Literally just talked about it. Soul Snatcher. With the move to free-to-play, do you think this may be time or an opportunity to add an optional subscription for Eververse or just keep it a la carte? No, I think I think seasonal Eververse books is 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 a is a needed thing. People gave me people really gave me crap on my Eververse video. Well, why would we want to give Bungie more money? So that they can make content, you frick. Like, uh, <laughs> like they don't have a publisher. They need money like that's what makes the world go round right you want them to have healthy revenue streams so they can make awesome content i it, 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 it like they don't they, they have to have money coming in to send content out the okay when you have a when you have a publisher you get the money on the front end and it funds all the development and then you make that money back and that's where profit margins start to land. You don't have that money on the front end, so you need a revenue stream. You need money coming in. You got to pay your bills. You got to pay your developers. There's licensing fees. There's all kind of junk they got to pay. They got to pay their actors. 
they got to have money coming in. And if they go free to play for the base game and all of its parts, you know, before September, anybody that would get mad about them using a vanity store to generate revenue is just being willfully ignorant. You're just you're you're an ideologist. You're being you're being idealist about it instead of saying this is the this is the reality. If I want content to come into the game, money has to come into the company. And you can literally never spend a cent in the Eververse. And 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 if they if they do the, the like an annual pass book or something, it would be a great way to fund future content. Bowersox, what are your thoughts about all D2 content and cross-save from any platform coming to Stadia? I think it's great. I think it's a great win for, for Bungie. I think Google being able to make this announcement is is significant. I I, I, I think people may may gloss over this. Well, who cares about the Stadia? Dirt like it's Google, right? Having having yourself attached to Google in any way is a significant win. This is a significant win. I thought it was free. Says why don't games ever increase in cost? I paid seventy dollars for Zelda twenty years ago. So. This is a really, really complex discussion to try to have because development of games is significantly more massive. The development teams that were needed for games like The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers, they were smaller than like one department at Bungie, probably. <laughs> like one department at Bungie, just one department is probably massively bigger than the team that worked on like regular Nintendo games. And so your margins back then for development versus what came in for the sales, like Nintendo was probably insanely profitable given overhead investment costs and all that. And then what they made back on the games themselves, they were like the top dog. They were the top dog for a long time. Uh, distribution of Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64 had to be very, very good. I don't know the stats, but I, I think those were massively successful consoles. So now when a game is developed it's developed by i mean bungie you know 800 800 plus staff members to develop maintain and expand and grow and continue to foster the game that is destiny and the cost of that that is higher like the 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 people that they 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 bring in on contract basis to do voice acting the, the developers themselves is is very very costly and you also have to remember $70 60 $70 for video games back in the day it that's actually really expensive that was like a hundred dollars if you think about inflation it was roughly you know 100 100 plus dollars today right so it's actually video games have actually gone down in price like relatively speaking for if you if you take in cost of inflation and you know annual annual you know cost of living and everything else you're you're actually getting games for cheaper uh, now than you did back then the difference is the amount of sales quantity of sales plays a part here so the number of units sold today for a game like destiny is significantly higher so there's profit profit can be made in a different way profits made on quantity not on like per item sale it's not that it's not it's not like that now i'm not like an, an economist and i don't necessarily understand every single inter all the inner workings of the actual video game economy but i do know that cost of production is very very high and monetization of our hobby needs to be a conversation and not an argument people 
choose a side and then they just that's it they've settled on the fact that no one that has a $60 game should ever have microtransactions in the game ever and I just don't understand how that's a tenable position if you're if you're going to insist that for the rest of time base entry fee cost is 60 and then nothing else should cost money in the game unless it's actual like DLC content seasonal things like later any micro spending any vanity stores if you're against that for all of time in any way that it shows up I we need to have a conversation about this as gamers because I do think it's part of the future of gaming and it should be more about what is sensible what is sensible what is not predatory what is acceptable what is reasonable and that's the conversation we should be having don't cross your arms and be an absolutist we've got to be able I think to, to meet in the middle on this because gaming as a hobby will not be maintained by cannibalistic tribalistic attitudes it'll be maintained by sensible conversations and evolutions that are symbiotic and benefit everybody involved so and guys I know Bungie's gonna go live now so why don't we go ahead and wrap questions and I can get the scenes all set up so we can co-stream the event together and we can kind of talk why while their their scene is up and running if I didn't get to your questions I am sorry stick around I'll do questions after the Bungie stream so don't go anywhere I'm gonna do my outro for Q&A for the podcast format so if you're here live right now stay here you can watch the Bungie stream with me and talk in our chat and then take part in another Q&A session make sure you're following the stream if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play Spotify or watching on YouTube you can always catch me live twitch.tv slash say no to rage as with all my content please like share and subscribe